today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Please review this. This is our evidence as to why we believe the CDS directives and these mandates constitute unlawful orders against our soldiers. And he took the binder, looked at it without opening it, said, huh, well, I believe this is a lawful order, which makes it very easy for me because I don't have to think about it. And he handed it back to us without reading it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of The Last Days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. I hope you're doing well and uh, staying at peace in your heart, regardless of what is going on in the world. And uh, be sure that there is going to be a lot of trouble in this world, but we can have total peace if we put our hope somewhere beyond ourselves and definitely beyond our government leaders. Uh, we're beginning to see some hope in the world in what we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, you know, before I get started with every single uh, show that I do, I read from my father's Bible. He passed away in October 2021, and uh, I've been missing him ever since. But when I read what he underlined in his Bible, it gives me comfort. And so today I actually opened it up and it came to a page and you can see that uh, I got to take good care of this Bible because it is just falling apart. It's got very like little tiny threads holding it together. How they bound these things, you know, it's leather bound, but it's been through a lot. So uh, my dad's pretty much underlined every single, you know, every single page of this entire Bible. And in Habakkuk 2 verse uh, well, one and two, in verse one, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And verse two, he's underlined, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. So write the vision down, make it plain. That's something that I've been quoting for a lot of years. And you know who's really good at writing stuff down is lawyers. And uh, there is a wonderful lawyer that is here with us today because she has decided that she is going to help some folks who've been victimized by the system and have uh, been, you know, probably uh, very unfairly treated. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms has been in violation. We so believe, as we have had the Honorable Brian Peckford on numerous times to let us know that how Canada has acted in this last three years has not been according to what the founders and the crafters, the architects of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms had in mind. And so with that, I'd like to welcome uh, Catherine Christensen, lawyer for James Formosa, who is only one of many of the people um, that is being represented. And James, I understand here, uh, there's quite a bio on you. You've served as an officer in the Canadian Armed Forces for over five years until his involuntary uh, release July 2022. Um, at his final posting to an artillery regiment, he vocally opposed the implementation of CDS directives on mandates as soon as they were introduced on the grounds that they violated the charter rights and freedoms of Canadian civilians and soldiers alike, as well as the Canadian Human Rights Act. Captain Formosa submitted an accommodation request on religious grounds uh, through his chain of command and failed to receive any proper substantiation or response of his doctrinal, legal, or ethical arguments that were ultimately directed 
to NDHQ in Ottawa. And so what does the NDHQ stand for, James? Uh, that's the National Defence Headquarters in Ottawa. The, um, the arguments that I was putting forward, I was just one of hundreds of soldiers that uh, very quickly reacted against the uh, Chief of Defence Staff directives that were mandating uh, COVID-19 vaccination to all serving members of the military. And because there were so many of us that were unwilling to comply with the mandates, we had uh, we had valid arguments and reasons and defenses as to why we took the position that we still maintain to this day. And because we refused to compromise on those beliefs and arguments and what we had to say as to our own defense of our position, it meant that the disciplinary or administrative disciplinary process kept getting pushed to the very next level for all of us members. So what would start as a conversation in a closed room between one soldier and their most immediate superior, for instance, would eventually escalate to the point where, uh, like myself and most of the other uh, uh, folks that are involved in this lawsuit, we placed grievances um, that have gone at this point to the final authority, which in this case, for all of us, the final authority who gets to decide whether or not we have been appropriately or properly aggrieved by whatever it is we're claiming is the chief of defense staff himself, General Wayne Eyre. And so the arguments I was presenting first to my direct chain of command have now clearly been seen by the the top military officials uh, at National Defense Headquarters in Ottawa, both for myself and the hundreds of other members that are involved in the lawsuit. Wow, wow. And it does say here that you were uh, honorably discharged from the Canadian Armed Forces with an exemplary record of service and the only stain upon which was having his steadfast commitment to his religious and moral principles labeled as a moral weakness in his release paperwork by the same chain of command who refused to respond to any of his claims. And is that the gentleman that you were talking about just now? Uh, that That's right. So uh, I was experiencing uh, various degrees of pushback from my direct chain of command, and this translated to the very highest levels of uh, the leadership in the Canadian Armed Forces. But uh, for my part, as I was presenting my arguments, um, you'll find that uh, most of the folks who are involved in this lawsuit that have since been released uh, they released under the category known as 5F, which um, it's under the banner known as unsuitable for further service. And this was this has a negative history and connotation attached to it because it has historically been reserved for folks who had, for instance, uh, substance abuse issues, domestic violence problems, things of that nature. So even though on our paperwork it says, uh, for instance, in my example, it says Captain Formosa is honorably discharged. However, in the same breath or within the same sentence of my release paperwork, it says that I am to be honorably discharged due to personal and or domestic problems within my control and because I have become an administrative burden to the Canadian Armed Forces. Wow. And the administrative burden that I've uh, represented, frankly, is that I have written at this point in terms of our grievance process and my representations against all of the disciplinary actions that were levied against me 
it's amounting to several hundred pages between myself and the leadership in Ottawa explaining uh, why I find my position to still be not only morally and ethically and spiritually justified, but even justified by the military's own policies. And when I uh, seemingly endlessly ask for the chain of command to explain themselves as to why they're violating their own policies, uh, we're myself and many others are met with no response whatsoever. And it's um, an abuse of power that has gone on completely unchecked, that is, until, until now. Wow. Okay, before we talk to your lawyer, let me ask you, so uh, when did you first have an understanding that they were going to be requiring that you get the vaccine? Uh, when did you all first hear or understand that, that that was going to be forced on the population there? Well, uh, for my part, this before the mandates were ever even instituted, I had a fairly accurate ability, I guess, let's say, to predict what was coming next. So I was still in my trades-related training as an artillery officer in, uh, in Gagetown, New Brunswick, in April of 2020, where uh, in that same month, just at the end of my training course, I was only several days into my final field exercise that we all had to complete to finish our artillery officer training. And nationwide training was completely shut down for a period of several months, which also caused untold uh, negative impacts to the military's capability and capacity to have uh, combat ready and trained soldiers. So as they stopped all training in the midst of the, the first uh, level of, let's say, COVID-related fear-mongering, I kind of saw the writing on the wall, as well as my colleagues saw the same thing, those of us who were paying attention. Uh, nevertheless, I was sent, uh, despite training being halted for a period of several months, folks like myself were still sent to our units and allowed to finish our qualifications later. And this was based on us having uh, a track record or a, a success rate, let's say, in our training. So I was performing competently. I was I was performing well uh, up to and including the point where training had to be stopped or was mandated to be stopped from the top down. So I was uh, I was sent to my new unit, my first ever regimental posting as an artillery troop commander, uh, where I was still allowed to conduct everything mostly as per normal, except for the fact, of course, that by that point. Uh, masks were being mandated in inside public spaces, uh, inside spaces on the base uh, where we would uh, work. And they said that the vaccines at that point were strongly encouraged. Um, but uh, based on everything that both myself and my colleagues had seen over the past few months, ever since, even ever since the international borders were closed, and we were told that we would uh, only be taking two weeks to flatten the curve, most of us expected that this was going to be something that would be pushed from the top down, because as uh, as I'm sure Catherine can also attest to, and as we've seen throughout this, uh, the contributions by everybody else in this lawsuit, we have seen that uh, the writing's been on the wall for quite some time in terms of the the level to which the highest echelons of the Canadian military have been ideologically captured or possessed by. Um, a politically partisan agenda that cares more about fulfilling some of these higher order political aims that have nothing to do with uh, military 
capability, our ability to defend the country, or our ability to uphold the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Wow. So uh, I hear what you're saying. Like in a lot of, um, you know, different organizations, uh, this ideology has definitely kind of seized and it, it shows in a lot of different ways, uh, not just with respect to uh, the vaccines. So you, it also says, and then we're going to go to Catherine, but you have joined an organization called Veterans for Freedom and um, you continue to advocate even at this time for justice in this matter. And I like what what you basically have uh, upheld is the rights and freedoms of all Canadians as a c consequence of continuing to fill the oath of service he swore when you joined the armed services. Because uh, there's an, an interesting part about this is an oath of service that anyone who joins the service would be signing and committing to to preserve freedom, which is the very thing that was actually removed from you uh, at the end here. Absolutely, and it's probably the, the greatest moral injury that we could probably speak to with respect to what has happened here, because as again, Catherine will also certainly attest to this, uh, the military has effectively through this form of an ideological purge, it's removed the folks who you would, we would all frankly argue were the most committed to uh, the true and sincere belief in what it is that we signed up for in the first place. So uh, although my career was cut short by this and by my by being forced to retire essentially only five years into what I had hoped would be a lifelong career until uh, natural retirement age, let's say, um, it's another thing entirely as well to have attached onto that the notion from, again, this is all derived from the top down of the chain of command, that uh, in some way I'm demonstrating a moral weakness by refusing to comply with demands that I have demonstrated through all of my arguments are flagrantly against our, our charter rights and uh, are in direct violation even of the military's various policies that have been established since before I ever even joined the armed forces. 100%. And, you know, it just makes, uh, makes total sense. Uh, that the very thing that you're fighting for, uh, the, this army has not upheld freedom. And who on earth ever thought that you could impose, uh, you know, a, a medical um, process onto to folks when, you know, you don't have proper testing and all kinds of things that went into this. We covered every day. But Catherine Christensen, um, you have basically, um, you have taken on a huge project. And so JT will bring Catherine on. And uh, Catherine, we would, we want to know, first of all, what brought you to this place of taking it on and how many people you're actually representing. This is a very huge case. <laughs> it is very big. Uh, but in October of 2021, so... October 8th, 2021 is when the uh, Directive 1, or the first mandate, came in from the Chief of Defence Staff. So we're just a year into it, uh, two, two years into it, and I had always represented military and veterans, and hundreds of them suddenly came to me and asked me for help because this was being mandated. And my first reaction was, what do you mean it's being mandated? Uh, where's the informed consent? 
Where's the bodily autonomy? I mean, just because people put on a uniform doesn't mean they give up any of their rights and freedoms. So uh, I started to look into it, wanted to help everyone. Uh, but I knew that I couldn't bring a COVID lawsuit in Canada, especially at that time. It, the courts just weren't going to hear it. So we had to get our thinking caps on and we came up with something very unique uh, because I had been watching the forces for a while and uh, there's been a real abuse of power problem, uh, abusing their own people. And I've had one or two people come to me, but they didn't have the money to sue. Uh, they could be discounted as disgruntled bats or bad apples. In this case, I had hundreds of people with hundreds of examples of things that their chain of command did to them in order to implement this directive. So I said, okay, they can't ignore hundreds of people. Uh, in the end, I probably have heard uh, from about 2,000 people, uh, but there's two lawsuits. Uh, there's the first one we filed in end of June. that has 330 plaintiffs. And then we just filed another one a few weeks ago that was uh, another 128 plaintiffs. Wow. Uh, with stories that break my heart to be honest with you, the, the, I had to uh, be careful when I worked on the file because uh, if I did it at night, I wasn't sleeping because I, I was furious, uh, to right. be honest. Um, so yes, we have put the Canadian Armed Forces on notice that they are not untouchable. Uh, I was in a courtroom in February of this year, not related to this lawsuit, but I had a Crown lawyer say to the justice on the bench that he had the court had no authority over the chief of defense staff in military matters and i thought wait a minute hold on last i heard he was still had to follow the law in canada <laughs> so um that's one of the questions that we want to resolve that's amazing um you know, some of the things that come into play here is some of the injuries uh, that have taken place in Canada. Uh, Dr. William Mackis, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, uh, some of the things that, um, that we have uh, been watching is as Dr. William Mackis, a Canadian doctor, has outlined uh, the last uh, that we were at was 180 doctors that had now died, healthy doctors, since the implementation of, again, the forced vaccine. And um, the there has been other lawsuits that have now been coming forward. One in particular is a young Canadian uh, young man. And I'm not sure if you have that there, JT, that we could share. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, this is a, you know, truly tragic story. And so Ontario man files $35.6 million lawsuit against Pfizer over his son's vaccine death. Now, this young man had only one shot and he died within 28 days. What the father had the, the smarts to do was to ensure that the autopsy was done. Hard to get in Canada. You can't you know, people don't want to do it. So he sent his son's body um, and had a U.S. doctor, Dr. Ryan Cole, do the autopsy with the damning, confirming results 
that his death was directly because of the Pfizer shot. And so as I um, hear what you're doing and how sad, Catherine, it must be to read through some of these uh, very difficult testimonies, is that because there has been harm indeed to people who have taken this shot? Yes, uh, quite serious harm. There have been more, uh, there have been deaths. Um, I can tell you that the vaccine has killed more people in the Canadian Armed Forces than uh, COVID did. Because COVID had zero deaths in the Canadian Armed Forces. So, 100%, 100%. Mm, um, yes. James, if I could ask you, James, um, have you have you known some of your um, uh, your colleagues, uh, the people that you were in service with, to have had some harms? Have you heard the stories? I've not only heard stories, but as a matter of fact, uh, I had some of my own uh, some of the troops under my command uh, came to me during the process in which they were trying to get all of the troops in in my regiment vaccinated some of them after submitting to that process confided in me came to me directly to report to me the adverse reactions that they were personally experiencing as a consequence of in this case uh, they were take they were all um, at that time all of the troops at my regiment were taking shots of moderna because that was the only um, big pharmaceutical brand that was allowed or being offered to soldiers serving in the area. And as a matter of fact, as well, the soldiers uh, in my area were also um, in no uncertain terms, they were in fact, ordered that uh, were they to take vaccines, they must go to a military hospital, they were not allowed to go to a civilian walk in clinic or get their vaccines from any other location other than the MIR, which is the base hospital. And uh, even at that point, I brought to the attention of my chain of command as my, my soldiers were reporting adverse effects to me. Uh, that was in approximately, I wanna say that was about in, uh, in the fall of 2021, by then at, at the latest. And I went to my chain of command and I asked a very pointed question as to why all of my troops who on average their ages were between 20 to 25 years old, they were all being ordered to go to the base hospital and only get shots of Moderna when I knew for a fact at that point that the Moderna vaccines had already been banned by five or six countries in Europe for all of their citizens under the age of 30. So I said, if, if these five, six European countries had already saw fit as a safety concern to uh, to ban or limit the administering of these vaccines to anybody under the age of 30. Why were we only giving those to all of my soldiers from ages 20 to 25? And of course, to that, I received no answer except for all of a sudden, about a few months later, just after the Christmas break, some of my troops were informed, those of which who had only taken one vaccine, uh, were were told that their their second appointment was going to be delayed because they were waiting for a batch of Pfizer to come in, and of course, even at that point, this prompted further questioning as to, well, what's your rationale for mixing and matching different brands for which there is no existing safety data whatsoever? And of course, all of those same kinds of queries were met with uh, dead air and no answers. Well, it's incredible that you had the courage 
and the strength to actually go and ask these very important questions. You know, all of us had questions about how uh, Dr. Teresa Tam or, uh, you know, our medical personnel uh, were telling everybody that things were safe and effective when in actual fact, well, you know that you got to follow the money on who got payouts in order to push certain products. But uh, when in actual fact, the data was showing something very different, that there were doctors across the world, Dr. Um, Dr. Zev Zelenko, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Trozzi in Canada, Dr. Mackis in Canada, Dr. Paul Alexander, both in the U.S. and Canada, all sounding an alarm saying, we're beginning to see that, that, that this is not good. Myocarditis was going up in young men in particular. And so I do have a share here of Dr. William Mackis. And um, so uh, in this, this is just from, I believe, just a day or so ago that he would have put this up, but there's a new article, MRNA Injury Series, CNS, Central Nervous System, Vasculitis, Blood Vessel Inflammation in the Brain Caused by COVID-19 MRNA Vaccines, confirmed by a new September 2023 Japanese paper by Ariyoshi et al., and it's, it's not just uh, recent studies, but actually like you were already seeing that many places now saying that they're banning. In fact, places in the United States of America now saying, you know, they're not recommending any shots. Dr. Peter, Peter McCullough um, now stating absolutely under no circumstances, not even for the elderly, should any of these shots ever go into people because we have excess deaths across the world. And now nobody seems to be asking the questions about how in a pandemic year, we had, you know, virtually, um, it, it looked like a normal year of deaths across the world. But in 2021, after the rollout of the vaccines, we now have excess deaths. Uh, I was speaking to a doctor earlier today, 70,000 excess deaths in Canada. Nobody's talking about that. That's a very serious thing. And, you know, when you uh, put this forward to your superiors, was there no common sense? Was there no like critical thinking on what we've seen in times past regarding some, there's been drugs. Uh, we can all remember a drug that was given to mothers many, many years ago that harmed a lot of the babies uh, that were born, you know, um, you know, damaged and, and hurt after the mother had taken uh, those drugs? Was there no critical thinking in anyone in your, you know, establishment there? Uh, well, that's that's another sad aspect to this, frankly, uh, because uh, this is not something that, of course, we took lightly, uh, myself and my colleagues, those of us that were actually paying attention, because we saw this as, a, again, a further extension, let's say, of our duties. If I have a duty to safeguard um, Canadians, I think that that it can actually be sort of imagined in a rather broad perspective, especially considering the the strange circumstances we now find ourselves in as a as a nation writ large. That being said, uh, myself and my my direct peer group that were working on uh, these responses to our chain of command, uh, myself for instance, and another captain at my regiment, uh, we we built a very large uh, research package, if you will that we provided to our direct chain of command. It was a binder about, about this thick, and it was full of uh, peer-reviewed scientific journal articles. It was filled with the product monographs from all the, the major pharmaceutical companies themselves, from Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca, 
We had things highlighted, tables of contents, um, sticky notes with uh, please read here, all throughout this very large, hefty, hefty document that we provided to our direct superiors. And the saddest, one of the saddest days for me, frankly, in the military was when I, I provided this, this binder, I gave the receipts, if you will, to, uh, to the major, to the battery commander that was overseeing us as we were also still being forced out of the military. And we said, sir, please, please review this. This is our evidence as to why we believe the CDS directives and these mandates constitute unlawful orders against our soldiers. Because uh, we believe this is an unlawful order. And he took the binder, looked at it without opening it, said, huh, well, I believe this is a lawful order, which makes it very easy for me because I don't have to think about it. And he handed it back to us without reading it. Wow. I, um, I don't know. I don't know how we actually overcome what has been put on us because, uh, the, if, if you go to another um, injury series that Dr. William Mackis is outlining, and I do recommend that uh, yourself and Catherine um, include potentially as witnesses that can be expert witnesses for you, these doctors that are watching, um, you know, paper after paper come out of the turbo cancers, turbo cancer now linked. They've actually found the, these, you know, there's a part right in the vaccines that is causing cancer that actually doesn't need to be there. This is hitting uh, the medical establishment and hitting um, the, the doctors that are willing to talk about that. This is coming out in droves. And so I'm wondering, you know, if that's going to be part, and maybe I can ask uh, Catherine actually right now, um, you know, is this something that's going to help is perhaps to have expert witness testimony of doctors that are showing um, the damage that is now well documented from all of these jabs. And in fact, Pfizer and Moderna, their stock is plummeting and they're having to face new cases every day where they are actually being sued because their vaccine didn't work and in fact caused harm and injury. Yes, so expert evidence is certainly a part of our case. The other important piece here is that I have military doctors who are plaintiffs who uh, can testify that they were also shut down about concerns. They were told not to record vaccine injuries. Uh, so that, that's a big factor. But the other biggest factor is that the Chief of Defence Staff had uh, a briefing note that included advice from his own medical branch that said that the vaccine was not safe and it was not effective. So he knew, he knew very well when he issued that command that uh, it was it was dangerous, that there was it wasn't gonna do what he said it was gonna do and it was not, not the right move. He was told he couldn't do what he did and he went ahead and did it anyway. And I have, I have the, those documents. We've got almost 1600 documents around 200,000 pages of evidence to show what we are claiming, so. Absolutely shocking, Catherine, and I am so uh, very glad to hear that you've taken on this mammoth case with all of these plaintiffs, 
willing to put their name forward. And in fact, this is just a, you know, a handful compared to the 2000 uh, cases that potentially, you know, people for whatever reason, uh, even fear, fear stops people from being mm -hmm. able to try to get justice on this. It very much was a factor. Uh, I had people reach out to me, really wanted to participate. And uh, right before we filed the statement of claim said, no, take my name off. I can't do it. Uh, it's, I, I'm too scared to do it. Uh, some of them were still serving and they were at risk. Uh, the others were afraid that if they spoke up, they were vaccine injured and they might be deprived of benefits if they spoke up or they wow. might lose their pension. That's not true, but the fear was enough uh, that they just couldn't take that risk. And we've got some really severe injuries. I have one uh, woman who took her booster because she was about to be deployed with special forces and uh, she took it and she had an aortic dissection while deployed overseas. It's I mean, we're talking serious injury. It's very disturbing uh, when we see the trend in our whole world um, at the sheep that literally followed, uh, you know, voices telling you to do something that to any common sense person, it didn't make sense. When we know the medical establishment can make mistakes, when we know that they rushed these vaccines, when we know that they even lied about the, now we're allowed to talk about ivermectin and I don't get kicked off of YouTube, you know, or, or Facebook anymore. I couldn't talk about ivermectin without being socially repressed uh, for, you know, a, a year and a half when we all knew ivermectin worked. Oh, now, well, you know, now they're saying, well, yeah, apparently it does have benefits and now, okay, go ahead, talk about ivermectin. Um, so, so we know that they invoked a vaccine because they, they couldn't admit to having some simple drugs that were actually very effective. I, I myself was able to give those drugs to my father while he was in the hospital with COVID. I had been out of the country. I was able to go to Costa Rica, get ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine over the counter in that country come back home, go straight to the hospital, and I've challenged every one of them if they want to go head-to-head -head on what took place. They already told my brother that my dad's body was shutting down and basically prepare for the end. I said, mm -hmm. no flipping way. I went in there, I asked them if they would give him ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, of course, they just mocked me basically. And behind their back for the next 10 days, I gave my dad ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and I supervised everything that happened. 10 days later, he goes home. He's perfectly fine. And in fact, a doctor told me that if I hadn't showed up, he would have died. And mm -hmm. so this is the sickness of what we've done. We've now looked at all of the other things that they've implemented against us, uh, you know, uh, these masks and all of these things that are literally unhealthy for us. And as we look back, suicides went up, drug overdoses went up, we hurt our country through mandates made by our government. And yet the people that are here to fight for the freedom of Canada, um, our Canadian military did not stand up for the freedom of their own members. And 
That seems to be a very big tragedy in all of this. Um, James, can you tell me what some other thoughts uh, that you have been having as you've been preparing? Thank you for coming on, having the courage to actually put your face on because the public is going to love that you guys are fighting. My viewers who have been sickened by the lies and by, you know, we all, we couldn't eat in restaurants because we wouldn't get the shot. We were demeaned and treated like second-class citizens. We've had sort of apologies here and there in, uh, in the public media. But what are some other things that you felt as you have observed as a young man and a Canadian citizen at what a country is able to do to their people if given the opportunity? Yes, well, uh, I experienced all of these, the same sort of things like you've mentioned. Uh, I wasn't able to attend certain functions, uh, not even at work, of course, but in public. I couldn't go to restaurants. I wasn't even allowed inside uh, an outdoor open air fair in the town outside the base where I was uh, posted at my final regiment. Um, in the forces itself, I still had to pay my monthly uh, officer's mess fees, even though I wasn't allowed to set foot inside the officer's mess. Sometimes they'd hand me a beer out through the window into the back patio, but I had to stay outside on the grass. Um, nevertheless, throughout all of that, I, I was shocked to see the, the relative ease and quickness with which the rest of the population so almost uh, gleefully got on board with being able to be, in a certain sense, these kind of glorified uh, hall monitors for the ideologically possessed. And uh, I think something that will also be very interesting or worthy of note, particularly for your audience and for their, uh, what I would imagine to be their stance on these things, is I was even shocked to see um, an unprecedented level of, frankly, uh, anti-Christian sentiment that I experienced as a direct consequence of my submitting my religious accommodation requests. You see, uh, the, the arguments I gave, and I make no claims whatsoever in to being a, a, a religious figure or experts or expert in theology for that matter, but I thought that the arguments I were presenting were actually fairly simplistic, basic, once again, common sense understandings. This is also, you must imagine this in the context of us also being concerned with various churches shutting their doors or shutting down or complying with various things like mask mandates, which of course didn't sit well with me on a moral or spiritual level. Nevertheless, I, I believed that I had to act in accordance with my conscience. And when I submitted my religious accommodation request, my main argument was actually to draw attention to specific scripture in both the Gospels and the Book of Romans, where I cited the fact that the Bible describes the human conscience as the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to to refuse to listen to that or to not obey it con constitutes a, a grave form of sin, in fact. And I provided that argument, and then as a response back at me from the supposed experts or leaders in the chain of command said that... Uh, that I wasn't tying my arguments to any corporate religious authority. In other words, uh, the authority of scripture itself uh, bared no weight, and I had to have some kind of living human representative also backing up my claims for them to have any validity. And this will speak to the abuse of, of power argument that Catherine is making in this lawsuit, because once again, I responded to the chain of command with their own policy that was created before I ever joined the forces, which 
uh, quite clearly delineates that any member of the forces can seek accommodation according to either religious belief or just a sincerely held personal belief or spiritual belief, which protects both religious and secular folks for that matter. It doesn't matter where your belief is truly coming from so long as it's personally held and you're sincere in holding that belief and you feel like you must act according to it. I just, of course, back that up with what I truthfully believe about scripture and even my own uh, regimental chaplain to my defense wrote in his commentary that he saw, of course, that I was being sincere about saying what I said about what I believe and that there was no conflict in terms of what I said and how it lined up with scripture. Yet I had, I suppose these would be chaplains or the chaplain general saying that I didn't know what I was talking about with respect to Christian theology and that uh, essentially it was all just a bunch of nonsense that I was arguing. Wow. <laughs> there was even, they even denied a religious accommodation to chaplains. Uh, there was a Catholic priest who was a chaplain. He was told his belief wasn't sincere enough. I don't know how much more sincere you can get than a chaplain in uniform, but wow. <laughs> yeah, that I do have some of the plaintiffs are chaplains. So it, it really and is, I don't know if you heard, yeah. Marlon, the chaplain general just a few days ago brought down an order that uh, there is to be no public prayer at any by any chaplain. We did. And in fact, service. we talked about it. Yes. A couple of days ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. So no, no public prayer. Right. Let's yeah. remove God from everything, everyone. That That's good. Yeah, nothing to see here. No problems at all. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, the you know, might as well get rid of the Ten Commandments, too. I mean, it's really crazy. Um, it It's that there's just so many reasons that we do see our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit and that this is a true religious conviction held by millions in Canada. Actually, it does say that most, um, I was just reading a statistic about um, some 65 or something percent will still believe that they, you know, align with the Christian faith. This is a Christian country. Um, when the Honorable uh, Brian Peckford was there crafting our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and they literally wrote into it this under the supremacy of God, because yes. that is a... a important part of our nation. Now, it does appear that judges and that leaders in many different factions seem to be ignoring that, but um, the, the Canadians are not, and this is not right, and we must uphold religious freedom. Uh, we've certainly upheld it for those that are, you know, fighting right now and, you know, have some, I would dare say, pretty close to violent rhetoric going on in our Canadian streets. And apparently it's hands off freedom of, you know, being able to say whatever you want right now so far. And yet the very freedoms that every Canadian should be able to ensure themselves, the reason that we would have that oath that uh, Jason would have taken in order for the protection of what? Oh, James, I'm sorry. Um, in order for the protection of Canadians uh, for their freedom, uh, this is what was violated against the very, you know, the soldiers and the servicemen that are standing for it. It is very indeed shocking. And not only from the religious perspective, Catherine, but from what you are fully onto, and that is just the logical perspective of how it made any sense to take your most strong and healthy individuals 
COVID was known early on to be killing the elderly. CTV, I'll never forget. I got their clip and then they had to take it off of their CTV reporting because one of the hosts made an error. They decided to categorize by age all those people that they were reporting daily on how many people were dying. They put it into an age category and most of them were over 85. And so it really showed that COVID was really taking out the elderly as does the flu every year, by the way. But this was not a, um, you know, a virus that was harming young people for the most part. They were healthy, mm-hmm. vitamin D, vitamin C, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you're fine. That is more of an accepted thing. I can even say it on Facebook now. And yet um, everybody just looked at it. Oh, no, let's just inject a, a quickly manufactured vaccine that's violating all medical principles of safety into our most healthy, most rigorous, and beautiful young people in our nation. To me, it makes no sense. And the hardest hit were the most healthy. So we're talking pilots, special forces, search and rescue. These are our, I mean, we're talking peak physical condition of our Canadian Armed Forces, the most fit we have. They were the hardest hit with vaccine injury and wow. severe career ending and life ending injury. Uh, I know of six deaths of men between the ages of 35 and 40 who died in their sleep that were perfectly healthy before. Yes. So, and, and uh, Dr. Mackis has been reporting on the healthy pilots that have now been injured and died, the healthy doctors, the healthy teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a mound of evidence and I would say that uh, you're coming with a lot of force behind you. And Catherine, we 100% support this initiative to bring accountability. If we cannot trust the people in charge of the finest young men and women in the nation, because this is, um, James, this is something that you volunteered to sign up for, right? You weren't drafted, you signed up to, to come into a place where you could be called on to serve in a time of war. Well, that's, that's quite right. And that's also why, despite what's happened to folks like myself, um, we don't really see our services properly being ended. Like, yes, on paper, uh, as a matter of uh, administration, let's say, I, I no longer am a member of the Canadian Armed Forces. I'm retired, so to speak. But uh, I don't see that this, what again, I see as like a lifelong commitment to the oath of what I, what I swore to uphold and what I swear to serve. Uh, it's not something that can end simply because the, the powers that be or the chain of command is hopelessly ideologically captured and corrupt. Um, and that's actually a further sort of call to moral action as to why I still have this ongoing moral duty and responsibility to uphold the values that I volunteered to defend with my very life, uh, especially if the people that we put our trust into to lead us aren't willing to do that same thing. Wow. Well, as I am going through Dr. William Mackis and uh, Dr. Trozzi's um, website will be of huge help to anybody who wants to know what is the outfall of this? But, you know, when I just, uh, I don't know if you can put this up, but I could literally scroll for 20 minutes 
down Dr. William Mackis' uh, site as he is highlighting every turbo cancer death, sudden adult death, sudden child death. Uh, this would be uh, Carroll County Sheriff's Office Deputy Shana Bennett. Um, you could just go down his site for hours and you will see all of the harms that have come to people. And I appreciate what you said, Catherine. You're saying far more people have died from this vaccine than actually from COVID. And that is true in our world today in its entirety. True. And in some ways, uh, talking to my clients, uh, in their opinion, the COVID ma mandate and the vaccine took out more members of the Canadian Armed Forces than the Taliban did in Afghanistan. Wow. But to put it in perspective, yes, the, the, this mandate brought in for political reasons. It says right in the directive, it wasn't for the usual reasons that uh, they give an order. It was for to show leadership to the Canadian people. That's not what our military is for. And, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it causes you to wonder purpose. if you can trust these people <laughs> at all. You know, right. uh, James, I hope that I can trust you in a time when our country needs to have common sense and critical thinking at play because your superiors uh, really lead me to wonder what's going on. And I'm very shocked by all of this. I stand with all of you, all of your 330 now, another 128. I hope that in, in time to come, you've got the rest of the another 1500 coming your way that will eventually say, I've got to stand with you, Catherine, and bring this to the courts. I hope that there's many lawsuits. People have got to be held accountable and perhaps it needs to be personal people, decision makers that made decisions out of fear not with courage that have harmed many people. Catherine, I'll give you the final word. Uh, thank you for bringing the uh, public's attention to it. Our military, some of the best the military had, uh, they have now released and they are leading the way. They are defending Canadians' rights and uh, telling their stories and uh, we're gonna hold them to account. We have personally named the senior command officers from headquarters in Ottawa to hold them to personally be accountable, not just the government. And uh, we hope to have some success and to reveal that Canada is uh, in trouble with our military. It's been absolutely decimated by this, uh, but there's hope in the future that maybe it can be rebuilt once uh, it's been reduced to ashes. I love it. You're fantastic. <laughs> I would want you on my side. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Uh, I We just wish the best for you. Is there any way uh, we can follow the progress? Are you um, putting out updates that people could join on to? Yes, uh, we have a Twitter account at Valor Legal. And at Valor spelled with a U. <laughs> okay. Canadian and, style. Uh, Yes, and we're just in the process of completely redoing our website because this, the, the nonprofit just took off with this whole thing two years ago. Right. We're redoing it, and that's valorlegalactioncenter.org. I absolutely love this. 
Well, you might want to just wait in the background uh, to watch my next guest. It's going to be a very short interview, but we'll let you go. But uh, this young man goes to get his Canadian passport and he gets a brand new Canadian passport and it has a rainbow on it. And so <laughs> we're going to show the video of mm. what he did next. So anyways, <laughs> with all the woke stuff going on, I appreciate you guys. And James, we just love your courage. Thank you for being one of Canada's absolute finest. Regardless of what has transpired, uh, you are uh, an excellent example of Canadian citizenship and bravery and courage. Thank you for that. We'll see you again. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, and with that, let's play the video of my next guest who's going to tell us exactly what happened, but he took his story, I guess, to Twitter, was it, or Facebook, and uh, we, we got kind of uh, shaken up by what he discovered, and this is a very brave young man, so take a look. I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but the new Canadian passport has a rainbow on the inside of the book. This is what it looks like. This is a federal document issued to all Canadians. It has a pride symbol inside of it. It's forced on us. I went to go renew my passport today. These weren't supposed to be issued until the springtime, but to my surprise, they're already giving them out. So I asked for it to be canceled and for them to put in a request to order one of the old ones from a different facility. The rep that I was working with couldn't understand why I don't want it. She questioned me about it over and over again and, and said that she probably couldn't do it. She wasn't sure. She'd have to go get her supervisor. Her supervisor comes and says, what seems to be the problem? Problem. And I said, the problem is I don't like the way this thing looks. She knew exactly what I was talking about. But I won't be compelled to have a rainbow in my passport. I'm not a citizen of the rainbow. I'm a citizen of Canada. I don't identify as LGBTQ. Why is that being forced on me? I don't know who the hell came up with this, but shame on you. She had to call her manager. Her manager came back and asked me the same question. Why do you want to cancel this? What's the reason? Can I ask the reason? Obviously, everybody was pretty upset with me. But I got it canceled. I'm ordering the old one. Rainbows are being forced on all of us. It's being forced in schools. It's being forced all the way down to my Canadian passport. This is the Canada that we live in. I wish Justin Trudeau would just come out of the closet so we can all go back to our normal lives. Ha, Kareem, we just think you're fantastic. And you had the courage to actually stand up right there in that shocking moment. So, yeah. How surprised were you when they hand you your new your new passport? Uh, like, how long did it take you to assess what you were looking at? Yeah, so I actually, uh, it hadn't even been issued to me in my hand yet, but I knew that there was a new one with great new features, they said. So I was waiting in line and I Googled it and I saw what it looked like. And I thought, right. there's no way this is real. It definitely, uh, you know, there's a rainbow on the inside of the cover. And they say, you know, some say it's not exactly a rainbow. It's missing one or two of the colors. But you can you can tell what it is. It's arranged in the same order. And um, so I asked for the old one. And apparently there is a procedure to do that. Okay. So, so you're standing in line and you had kind of been Googling. So were you kind of preparing that I'm going to have a real good look at this and I'm going to sort of make a stand? Yeah, it was out of curiosity. I wasn't even sure what I was going to find there. But when I did see it, I, I thought, I can't do that. I'm looking for a Canadian passport. Um, this this thing, I mean, if you've seen it, uh, not to mention it looks like a children's coloring book on the inside. They've completely changed it. But right on the inside cover, there's a rainbow. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not taking that. Um, I, I want the old one. 
Good for you. And so it was a bit of a process, but every single Canadian can do this. So what has to happen if you don't want that passport? And I'm right behind you, Kareem. I don't want that passport either. None of my family wants that passport. Barely anyone I know will want that passport. Maybe a couple of my uh, friends, you know, but I don't want that passport. How do we, what process do you have to go through? How long do you have to wait? There is a process, and at least for now, because uh, apparently they haven't upgraded all of the printers all across Canada to issue these new ones. Some facilities still have the old printers. Um, if you're looking for something that's uh, a rush service, they do have to print it in-house. Otherwise, they sent it to uh, a central facility that's using all the new printers now and producing these rainbow passports. Um, if you ask for an express service and you're at a facility that has an old printer, they'll, they'll make it for you on the spot. Wow. So an express service, would that be an extra pay cost for um, that? You know, I, I was surprised to hear that it wasn't much more than I think it was $20. Okay. Um, so I absolutely wanted it. Um, and again, I mean, in this kind of time right now, we're seeing rainbows everywhere. I know that these are not popping up by coincidence. When it's in my passport, I mean, you can call it whatever you want. That's a rainbow. And uh, it's being present now in every government building, uh, every school, classroom. Um, you know, enough is enough. It's not going in my passport. So. I really appreciated the comments that you also added into your video. Uh, and I think that it's representative of a lot of people that feel that everywhere you go, you got the rainbow uh, crosswalk. I mean, where's the crosswalk for the veterans? I said to people, if you're gonna fly, a rainbow flag above our parliament. Well, where's the Muslim flag? Where's the Sikh flag? Where's the Christian flag? How are you disseminating one group that seems to have all of this special status? Well, the conversation around this doesn't make much sense. Um, and if you ask about why there's a rainbow everywhere, they tell you it's because of inclusivity, but the majority of us Canadians don't feel included when we stand under a rainbow flag. It doesn't represent us and I don't want you know, my daughter growing up feeling that it's okay for her to stand under a flag that's not even hers and, and just assume that identity. Um, so I think these are incremental steps. We've seen this um, uh, imposed on us inch by inch in every aspect of our culture. Um, I go to Starbucks and there's a massive pride flag hanging on the wall and they tell me it's so that everyone feels welcome. Well, I don't feel welcome because that's not my culture. You're making me feel like 100%. I should be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Kareem, I mean, I've said this on the show before, but you know, if you've got purple hair and uh, yeah. ascribe to this, you'll probably get a job that we all won't get because they, you know, you get special privileges. We've now made it a special privilege to be in the mm -hmm. queer grouping. And not only that, you're putting all of this propaganda into our schools, so our children are being taught it. We've had to have a one million man march led by, uh, you know, a Muslim gentleman in our country who's risen up and said, we've got to put a stop to this. We've got every we've got all of the, the people groups saying we don't want our kids indoctrinated with this. And now it's coming to our passports. And I don't think a passport should look like a children's coloring book. I actually think it's a serious thing. That's why a, we have to go through all of that, you know, security at the airport because it's a serious thing. This is a respectable document that represents us when we travel abroad. And, and imagine having it opened up and the first thing that's in there is a rainbow. I mean, it's definitely not what our identity is and it's not what our culture is. 
Um, and in schools in particular, I mean, I'll, I'll give this advice to every parent. I, I had a meeting with my, uh, my daughter's school principal and spoke specifically about this. Why is there a pride flag in the classroom? There should only be a Canadian flag. It does not represent students and you can't expect all of them to grow up again under that culture and assume that that's their identity. Um, to my surprise, my daughter tells me it's been taken down. So I recommend having these conversations. Well, you see, that's awesome. And you know, it's one of the reasons that I just, I laughed out loud watching your video because you were so, like I was so in awe of someone taking a stand and actually putting it on the airwaves. A lot of people, they might've had that private fight or you know what? A lot of people in our country, unfortunately, they're just swallowing it. Oh, fine. My, my passport has to have a, a, another dumb rainbow flag, you know, and they take it and they leave. They don't well, do anything about it. And so, Kareem, where have you gotten this stand and this strength? Have you always had that? Um, I, I moved to Canada when I was in my 20s. And um, I came from the Middle East growing up around the time of the Gulf War and things like that. So... Uh, moving to a country where we can be free was really such an incredible uh, privilege to have and definitely one that I appreciate. So um, I've really uh, embraced the Canadian flag. And over the years, as I see it slipped away, and now we're seeing the rainbow version of the Canadian flag, like who came up with that edition of it. Um, it, it, it saddens me to see that we're replacing our flag with a rainbow. And I, I don't think that's representative of most Canadians. And I think we should get a chance to speak about it. Yes, and you know, you mentioned this flag that sometimes you see places that that needs to be removed. It's got a rainbow in with the Canadian flag. It's actually illegal. You can look you know, up the the portion of our you know criminal code where it's illegal to be having a flag like that. In some countries, it's treason to come up with a different version of the flag. It's definitely not. It's not a legitimate flag, and and I'm sure that it doesn't include the majority of Canadians. Like I said, if you put everybody under a Canadian flag, you've actually included everybody, and it's that simple. That's really the only inclusive flag that we have in this country. That's it. Never more important than uh, you know, with world events that we're seeing right now and some of the the difficulties that we're all watching. Where we do, I just honor that, and I really loved uh, my Muslim friends recently that have been saying how much they love the flag, why they came here. Um, my friend Camille, he was almost killed at five years old by a bomb in Lebanon, and they escaped and they came to a new place for freedom. And you know, Kareem, I think that us as Canadians, uh, I was born Af actually in Africa, but my mom was Canadian, and uh, but um, she she uh, taught us to love our freedom. But I don't know that we really grasped it until recently, as we're seeing that. The whole world does not live in this beautiful freedom that we have had. But what we're now seeing is this woke indoctrination that's coming into our schools. And you going in and talking to this uh, principal, like you are way up here in my books because a lot of people, even, you know, those that I might align with as a Christian, um, sometimes are silent and let's face it all a lot of people can just be silent and just take it and you're showing that you, you need to speak up and speak out even in the kids you know school realm as Canadians you know we are very tolerant generally and we're very inclusive but at yeah. some point it starts to become too much my daughter's in a classroom realizing that if you're um, LGBTQ or you're trans then you are favored 
and that she's not being represented because she's not part of that community. And eventually, what does that do to a child when it's reinforced over and over? Um, so, yeah, I encourage every parent to do that. I just I just absolutely love it. And uh, uh, Kareem, you know, one final question. Um, as you're seeing uh, what's going on in the world, uh, are you the kind of like, are you doing a lot of these videos or was this your one time video? I don't know. Like, do you have a lot of videos? Are you a video podcaster or who are you? Not at all. Uh, when I first started doing videos, and it really was around some of this gender ideology stuff that's suddenly creeping up everywhere, um, it was a drag queen story time that took place in my uh, neighborhood library, uh, funded and sponsored by the city, actually. Um, so I went there, uh, you know, to take a stand and say, why is this acceptable in our community? Well, that's not the kind of values that most of the residents of this neighborhood have. Um, and I I made my first video. I remember asking my sister, like, how do I use Instagram? I don't know how to do reels. Um, <laughs> but these great. videos have caught on. And now, again, like, I think there's really a reason for people to point out what's happening. I think a lot of parents yes. are not aware. I think a lot of people are not just aware of how these things are being shoved into our culture. And eventually it's normalized. And I don't want us to get there. I think we should all maintain and retain the culture that we have as Canadians. I really love that, Kareem. And uh, did you see the, the One Million March? Have you been supportive of this stand with parents of every color, every religion, standing, linking arm in arm for the kids? I, uh, actually, uh, when I found out that it was happening, I jumped at the opportunity and I tried to track Camille down. And he was a tough guy to get a hold of. But uh, we yeah. eventually connected. And yeah, I was, I was very active with the marches and uh, we'll continue to do so. I don't know if you're aware, there's Love another it. one this Saturday, of course. And yes. Um, like there's there's a lot going on and i think all parents you're seeing a shift in culture right now and a shift in consciousness i think uh, we're seeing some pretty big changes happening i'm absolutely loving it and i know in abbotsford on the other side of the country from you in british columbia here where i am uh some the sikh the sikh parents have been actually out there protesting nightly like right. this is how serious it's gotten nightly that they just want this ideology taken out of our schools. And in so many ways, I feel like we've been seized. And it kind of makes it a bit of a serious time, Kareem, because I'm glad that you had success in having that flag removed from your child's school. But we're not seeing the success we want to see in having sexualized books with uh, gay sex, um, you know, man on man, man on woman, and a lot of stuff that, that shouldn't be like shown to little kids is available in our schools. And not only pictures, but reading, um, you know, maybe you've seen some of these people that read out these books and uh, they're asked to please stop. You know, even one of our people in Abbotsford, a, a councilman was reading a book that is in a kid's school and the other council members told him to refrain from speaking that anymore. Yeah, it's, it's shameful when adults can't even listen to the material, but they justify reading it in front of five and six year old kids. Um, it's it's unforgivable what they're doing to children. And yeah. again, I encourage parents. I, I think it's just not enough of us are pushing back. Um, I always say if you want to see some change, you need an equal or greater force to move back to the center line where we used to be. Um, and we're just we're all going to have to do our part and have those meetings and have those conversations. Absolutely. Karim, we just love you here. Uh, you know, can we keep your number on hand and, and maybe Absolutely. watch your videos and have you on again? Keep tracking me, yeah. And I, okay, uh, yeah. I'm your new fan. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you for standing up. Yep. Have a good one. Take care, brother. Thank you. All right. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is beautiful. I, I remember years ago, you know, when I was fighting the, the gender stuff um, in our schools, you know, 2017, that's when we began highlighting that they're teaching your kids that they can change their gender and everything, right? That's when we started going, uh, you know, hard at educating the public, telling, I loved telling the Sikhs, the Muslims, the Jews, the Christians, and we started holding meetings and we'd go, you know, we went to the Gurdwaras, is that what it's called? We went to the mosques and we spoke to the officials and we told them and everybody was like, what? You know, and it was so shocking. Now it's everywhere. Well, you know, a few years later, everyone's standing against this. And, you know, I remember saying to the camera back in 2017, like, like everyone's upset about this. We don't support the, this value. We don't support these principles. Canada's a free nation. I can't push my religious beliefs on you or your children. Why are you allowed to push your religious? And I do believe LGBTQ has now become a religion that, you know, thou shalt not speak against. It's like the idol that has been raised in the land that we're not allowed to talk against or, you know, nobody hears us. Well, we are going to have to find it in our, you know, deepest souls to now stand for the children because something is seized uh, our nation with this and it's unacceptable. I am really personally happy to see, aren't the hockey teams in that JT, they're starting to say they're not going to wear uh, specialized, they're not going to have yeah, theme the league, nights. Oh, the league has banned it, but the pro LGBTQ are all up in arms about it. Well, too bad. You know, like, what am I going to do? Oh, let's have the, the cross of Jesus Christ night, you know? Uh, th like, this is not okay. A majority of people might believe in that truth, but they wouldn't be having a night to celebrate it. And yet we're having this night to celebrate the most celebrated people. I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that, you know, that there's not a lot of special, you know, special treatment going to this one group, right? Uh, maybe years and years ago, I don't remember bullying uh, of people that were LGBTQ, even as I was growing up, I barely knew any, I didn't, certainly didn't know any transgenders. There was one guy, that, <laughs> he would come to our church, <laughs> he wore high heels and everyone was nice to him. I mean, <laughs> that's what we did. If, if someone came in and they were like dressed a little bit strange and odd, we were just nice to them. That's what you do. You know, when you're religious, you're kind. But now it's gotten to this place. It's full on indoctrination. We just don't stand for it. Hey, my name's Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. My website's laurelynn.tv. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, you know, if you can help us to do what we do, we only do this because we are actually unemployable anywhere else because of the way we talk. I mean, seriously, okay, on Facebook, I am not allowed to buy or sell on their um, Facebook marketplace now? Seriously. Why? Oh, because they went to my page and I say some, some things. What? I'm, I'm not that vocal. You know, but I say stuff and so I'm being banned. So is this what's coming? The social credit score in Canada? Are we really free? How free are we and for how long?
wow, these are just things that make me go, hmm. So I'm being banned. So JT and I uh, and our little team, we do this because you help us to. If you're able to help us, if you're able to join us, become maybe a monthly partner, we would appreciate it. If not, and you know, it's just not in your wheelhouse or whatever, no problem, just keep watching. We love you. If God would lay it on your heart to support us, we'd appreciate it. That would be super wonderful. Also, October 28th, we will be in Ontario. Please get your tickets now. Um, sign up, bring a teenager, bring somebody who needs to have some great information. We have all of the doctors, some of the doctors I mentioned in today's show, they will be there speaking. The mama bears are going to be there standing up for the children. Um, hey, we should invite Kareem for Pete's sake. He's awesome. And um, we're also, we've got Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Um, Bridal will be there. Oh, Dr. Trozy, Paul Alexander. We're going to have the band there with Eli. Pray for Eli. He's kind of not uh, well right now. And so please pray for our worship leader because he's, um, he's struggling. He's got a real health issue and it's no wonder we're under attack. Uh, Lance Wall now is going to be there. He is absolutely fantastic. Lance Wall now, he's prophetic. He's funny. He really understands world events. He's got a heart of gold and uh, he's going to just bring such a powerful message to all of us there that day. We're so looking forward to it. We really are. Um, join us. Join us. All right. And we have been talking about finances and money. Please do not leave thousands and thousands of dollars in the bank. If you have thousands of dollars in the bank that you're saving for a rainy day, can I just please implore you that this is not the advice of the, the people that are watching our currency, our money situation, uh, the, is it the IMF, the International yeah, Monetary Fund? So Lance Walna was talking about the IMF and basically predictions of, you know, it's not good. It's not good. On any given day, if there's an emergency, literally banks are given the right to freeze your funds. Oh, we have an emergency. Have you seen that happen? Oh, we have an emergency suddenly so we can do all kinds of strange things that in normal society we couldn't do. But now because we have this emergency, we're able to freeze your bank account, not let you have access to certain things and, you know, God forbid, devalue the dollar because it's being printed on you know, endlessly being printed on, um, on paper and not worth the paper it's printed on. So do something really smart and, uh, get your money into something good like gold and silver. We recommend Sovereignize at protonmail.com. And we hope that you will heed our, um, heed our thoughts on it. It's not actually my advice, it is the expert's advice. Those that we've had on the show, numerous people, uh, the articles that we present to you, we try to give because I'm not the expert, but I really, really try to listen to people that are tuned in and know what is happening. I want to leave with you Psalms 96 today on an upbeat note. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. I'm sad right now that what we are seeing declared is war, violence, pain, suffering. 
That is not supposed to be the place that we're at. We are supposed to declare the glory of God. And may his power be seen, may his strength be seen, may his love overshadow us. Um, can't we all just get along? I've been saying that, I walk around the house, I'm like, can't we all just get along? Like I read the next report. Oh, apparently we cannot. <laughs> Apparently we cannot just all get along because there's certain things and certain hearts are hardened and violence is in our world and anger, retribution, retaliation, judgment of others and definitely an unappreciation of, uh, of, of other human beings. We've lost that empathy. I just wonder if we can just declare God's word. His word says that he thinks we're important. He thinks that human beings are so important that he has even numbered the hairs on our head. Is that crazy or what? He's literally numbered the hairs on our head. The word of God says before you were born, he knew you. He knew you'd be special. He knew that you'd be funny. He knew that you, sir, would be kind of annoying. You know that, right? kind of annoy your, your spouse once in a while, right? No, I'm not talking to you, honey. He's shaking his head. Isn't that cute? <laughs> you know, God knew if we would kind of be a bit sarcastic or ornery, ornery. My dad used to say that, don't be ornery. Um, God knew if we would have a sense of humor or if we'd be kind of flatliners. You ever met those people, they don't have one bit a sense of humor, like they are not funny, cannot deliver a joke. You've never heard them deliver a joke. They just don't have that persona. God made them like that. Go figure. I don't get it. You know, I like to laugh personally. God knew everything about us because he thinks that human beings are so cool. Like just, he, he loves. Every time that newborn baby comes into this world, every time there's a conception, it's the opportunity for one of these new incredible creatures that God has made to, to manifest on the earth. And that's why I stand for life so much is because babies are just the creation of God at their most infant, that first moment that the seed, the sperm and the egg unite. There is life. There is beauty. There is the DNA of the kind of personality you're going to end up having. So don't blame your spouse because they're boring. God made them that way. I would say to the boring spouses, try to be a little bit more interesting. It's, uh, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Or are you saying I'm boring by that? <laughs> he always thinks I'm talking about him. My husband is not boring. He is like uh, very uh intelligent and interesting and fascinating and very cute too i have to say very adorable okay god bless everyone declare the glory of god we'll see you next time bye you know it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing but for some of us we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. 
I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.